Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, if you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10, that's podcast10, to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Now, to the top analysis of today's crypto markets. Welcome to Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. I'm Ash Bennington. We've got a great show for you today. John Linden, the CEO of Mythical Games and a gaming industry veteran who's worked at Activision on Call of Duty. We'll speak in just a moment. He is here. Uh, but first, let's take a look at these markets. Obviously, we've seen a bit of gyration. It's been a wild 24 hours. First, let's take a look at Bitcoin on my screen, trading at 29,122. Uh, on a trailing 24-hour basis, it's down about two and a third percent. But as you can see that on the left side of that chart, looking at the sell-off yesterday afternoon, some pretty wild gyrations happening there. Uh, so too with Ethereum trading right now at $1,899. Uh, call it pretty close to 1,900 bucks for one ETH. Trailing 24-hour basis, well, you can see the same pattern there on that chart. On a trailing 24-hour basis, it's minus 3% thereabouts, uh, 2.78 on my screen. Trailing seven days, it's off uh, just under 2%, 1.7% or so on my screen. Lots to talk about. We've got a great show, lots of action to bring you. First, we're going to speak with our own Jeremy Varlow, who is joining us live from Austin, Texas, from the Consensus Conference. Hey, Jeremy, how are you, man? Very well, Ash. Day two of Consensus is upon us. Day one was a smashing success. Uh, we're all a little bit worse to wear. There's uh, tons of after-hours activities last night, but uh, excited to get day two on the road here. After-hours activity at a crypto conference, I don't believe it. Hey, listen, what's going on on the floor? What are you hearing? What's hot? Yeah, I mean, it's been a super interesting uh, first day. I mean, the sentiment is incredibly high. Uh, you know, 2022 was not a great year for the space, but uh, it really looks that uh, people have put that behind them. Tons of building going on. You know, there are a bunch of exhibitors here, many of which that we know and are familiar with, but also quite a few that are new to the space. I spoke with a couple of projects yesterday that just launched in the last week. Uh, so there's a ton of building going on. People are super, super excited. Obviously, the conversations ranging from everything to uh, regulation, but also building right. in the space. Uh, lots of talk about NFTs in the metaverse. Web3 Gaming is a significant, significant uh, part of this conference this year. Uh, but yeah, it's been a great first day. I'm really looking forward to sitting in on some of the sessions and also catching up with uh, the different protocols that are here. Well, we've got John Linden with us to talk about Web3 and gaming in just a second. But let me ask you this. You mentioned building a lot. That's always an important theme at any crypto conference. What's new? What's different? Uh, you know, the, the thing that really caught me by surprise is how many Web3 wallets are at this conference. A bunch hmm. of new wallets that are launching, uh, some new DeFi protocols as well, uh, which we'll surely do a recap on. 
but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the space is growing exponentially and yeah, the wallet thing was very interesting to me. I actually downloaded a few wallets yesterday, uh, sent some tests around and yeah, the user experience is improving rapidly. And I think that that's something that uh, we're gonna see a lot more of in 2023. What are you hearing about regulation? Obviously, this is one of the major topics here in the United States, especially. What are you hearing on the ground? Well, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, regulation in the U.S. is top of everyone's mind, and everyone is, you know, very interested in any sort of development on that front. But on the other side of things, there's a lot of other jurisdictions that are popping up as well. The Bahamas yeah. has a very prominent presence here. The Cayman Islands does as well. Obviously, my home, uh, Japan, uh, Asia in general. As well as the Middle East. So, I mean, while, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty about the U.S. Uh, regulatory system, uh, there are other jurisdictions that are really stepping up to the plate and promoting themselves as being, you know, very crypto native and, uh, and, and wanting to be a significant part of the space. Hey, Jeremy, we sure appreciate you joining us. I know you're busy there from the floor. Uh, we appreciate you taking time out to update us here. Final thoughts, key takeaways. What would you like to leave our audience with? Uh, I mean... Listen, it's uh, it's a great conference to attend. If you can ever get down here, certainly do so. Today, day two, uh, the general admission passes uh, are able to hit the floor. So we're going to see, you know, probably upwards of 15,000, 20,000 people. Uh, I think it's the most prominent crypto conference that we have. So if you yeah. are, you know, crypto curious and you want to uh, to attend one of these shows, this is definitely uh, one of the best ones to, to, to attend. And it's a beautiful seven degrees and sunny, not sweltering like it was last year. Absolutely. It actually rained the last couple of days. It's a little bit cooler today, but uh, yeah, perfect day for a conference. Hey, Jeremy Varlow, thanks again, man. We'll have to have you back soon to do this. All right, guys. Have a fun show. Cheers. All right. That's our own Jeremy Varlow reporting live from Austin, Texas. And now we go live to John Linden. Uh, John, welcome to Real Vision. Thanks for having me. John, you guys have had a big week. Uh, your new game, NFL Rivals, dropped yesterday. Give us the top line. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a project we've been working on. We announced it a little bit last year. And, and you know, I think for us, we really wanted to partner with the NFL to create a real true gamer first experience, but really have that Web3 economy in it. And I think we've uh, we've made great strides. You know, the game came out yesterday. We're actually sitting uh, number one in all game uh, sports games right now. We're sitting number one in the action game category. And I think we're number three overall in terms of all games on the Apple App Store right now. So you know, people talk about mass adoption. I think we, we've kind of talked, you has to come game room game first. And I think we're delivering that. So we're very, very excited on this first day. Very honored to get the, uh, get the support we're getting. And by the way, we're seeing some video right now on our screen. That's a clip of the actual action of the game. Those aren't NPCs, that's actual game action. That's actual game action, yeah. So you're actually able to play the game. Uh, you know, your team, uh, you're, it's basically what we've set up as an, our, what we call an arcade team manager game. So essentially, you're coming in, you're building your team. Your team are assets that you can own, you can trade, you can sell. Uh, you're building that team, uh, you're joining squads. The squads are also kind of NFTs behind the scenes. One thing you'll see, though, about our game, we don't actually use the word NFTs. We don't use the words Web3. We don't use the words blockchain. We just put out a game. And what's really great is I think we've been able to onboard, you know, hundreds of thousands of players already, which is great, and into this game, and they're getting wallets behind the scenes if they don't already have, have one, right? So we've really tried to uh, make a system to where players can come in very seamlessly, play the game, but they're still participating in this Web3 economy, and we expect people to kind of become educated more and more on what the benefits of that are. So this is so interesting. What you're saying, in essence, is you've abstracted away uh, the interface with the wallet, with Web3, with NFTs as a concept. It's just something that users are directly interacting with uh, in a way 
that allows them to access technology directly through the gaming. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. And what we've also done is we really spent a lot of time, you know, we're from the gaming industry. We've been in the gaming industry for decades at this point. So we we know kind of the rules and how to how to make that work. And frankly, we kind of walked in the front door with a lot of these um, app stores. You know, we had a first we were the first game last year on the Epic Game Store with Blanco's Block Party. This year, you know, we're, we're now, you know, top of the charts on, on the Apple uh, App Store as well as Google as well. So it's live on all these. So we've kind of gone in, we've built a lot of tech very specifically for the gaming industry so that we can take transactions from the app stores and be able to still record them on chain very safely while abiding to all the compliance that we need to with these app stores. It's really interesting. Let me ask you this, for users who are uh, more tech savvy, who are in the Web3 space, who are Web3 natives, is there a capacity for those users to self-custody the assets at any point, or is that something that you haven't gotten to yet? We're, we're working through that right now. I will say that a lot of the, the traditional Web2 app stores, they're very concerned, as are we, that you know, a lot of gamers might not understand, you know, right. understand private keys and seed phrases, and no one wants to set their private key down and suddenly lose it and you lost Zelda or you lost Super Mario, right? So it right. is a custodial account to start. We do have bridges in and out though. So you can bridge assets in and out to MetaMask. You can sell them on OpenSea. You can do whatever you want. We do have the capacity to go completely non-custodial. That is definitely our goal in the future, but we're trying to ease into it as we bring on, you know, literally tens of millions of new gamers into this ecosystem. See, this is what's so interesting to me, John, because this is a, a classic trade-off, a classic balancing act that you guys must think about all the time, which is on the one end, you want a game that anybody can go into the app store and download just like you could Candy Crush and be up and playing in 30 seconds or less. And on the same, uh, sort of the opposite side of the of that coin uh, is you've got, you know that if you don't have the ability to self-custody your assets, you're going to have people yelling at you and saying, not your keys, not your crypto. It's not really uh, a Web3 application. And it's this, it's this balancing act, this, this almost dance that anyone who's sitting in your seat has to think about and has to deal with. That's right. No, and I think, you know, last year, you know, there were a couple couple games for the first time in Web3. Blanco's Block Party was one of them. They hit over a million players. So that was kind of a good milestone. But a million players in gaming is still pretty tiny, to be real honest. Yeah, I came from right. the Call of Duty franchise. We had 50 million players on PC console. We had a 500 million players on mobile, right? So so we're, we're basically trying to bridge bridge those gaps, right? How do we have a comfortable experience to get people safely into the space and then educate them, give them more control? You know, we started with bridges, bridges, you can bridge assets in and out, right? That's a great first step for, for gamers to understand. And then again, like I said, as, as we get comfortable as, as the, you know, uh, Jeremy just mentioned on the, on the wallet side, as wallets get more secure and protect consumers in a very, very easy fashion, I think we will be going to full non-custodial. So we very much believe in the space. We believe in the power of what Web3 can do, but it right. has to be done very, in a, you know, integrated into that game experience to be successful. So what's the culture like over there at Mythical? How are you hiring? Do you have folks who are uh, like yourself, who are true veterans of the gaming industry? Do you have folks who are in the Web3 space? Like, how does that balance out? Because it really is, it's such an interesting kind of uh, mix. In, in, in many ways, it's almost like what we see in DeFi, right? Do you have folks who have traditional banking backgrounds? Do you have folks who are Web3? I mean, it's really an interesting kind of mix up. We do, you know, we've been building since 2018. So we've been we've been putting a nice foundation down. So we have great teams behind blockchain um, that have been able to kind of build out these amazing systems. I'd say a core of our team is definitely from the gaming industry. I think we have actually eight former studio heads that have shipped a billion dollar games a piece. So we, we really are pretty prolific in the gaming space. And that's really been one of our secret sauce. You know, we can come in, we can speak to game developers, we can speak to the app stores and we understand kind of that gamer culture. But at the same time, we are blending, we're really blending three worlds together. We have gaming, we have blockchain, and we have fintech, as you mentioned. So we actually acquired a company last right. summer 
called the market that are very much specialists in blockchain uh, i'm sorry in, in marketplace transactions but they had a lot of experience with blockchain as well so blending those worlds is kind of the secret sauce it's also one of the challenges we always have as well right hey everyone we're going to take a quick pause and hear a word from our partners we'll be right back this episode is brought to you by reese's peanut butter cups in breaking news Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. So this is so that you can do in-app transactions, presumably native in a Web3 format. That's right. And I think, you know, we're making progress on that. I think, you know, I think, uh, you know, when we started the company in 2018, we originally wanted Blancos out on mobile and they basically kind of got a big no, like, hey, we don't understand this. We're, we're not ready for it. You know, fast forward a few years later, we have a top game now, top game in the app stores um, on mobile. I think we're the next step for us is now let's start making it more seamless. Let's get those marketplaces in the game. How does that work? How do we work with these big distribution companies? And I think there's still challenges left to, to identify, but we're, we're definitely tackling them head on. How big is your shop now, John? We're, uh, we're about 300 people. So we're pretty, pretty good size. Oh. You know, we've been growing so fast. We did about a 5X um, GMV um, lift from, uh, uh, from 21 to 22. Last year, we did about $60 million through our marketplace. We're, we're closing in on that per month now, which is great. I think this, this month we're going to be about 33 million in sales. This is this month gross sales going through our marketplace and blockchain. Next month we're on track for 45 already. So we're growing at such a tremendous pace. Um, and like I said, we're, we're, we're not letting up. We got this game. Uh, this game is going to be really exciting kind of leading up to the NFL season. So we're in what we call the off season with our season zero. Um, but we're going to keep, uh, keep really adding to that product. We got a really fun couple of announcements coming up as we lead into the season, but we also have another big racing title coming shortly afterwards. So we have a game called Nitro Nation World Tour. That game was, uh, that previous version of that game on mobile was the number three racing title, had 80 million installs on that franchise. So that's what's coming next from us. We'll be launching that later this summer and soft launching very soon. So we're trying to move this into the tens, if not hundreds of millions of gamers and uh, kind of away we go. And was that your original title or did you partner with the original creator of that studio? Yeah, so we partnered with a studio called CM Games. It's an amazing studio out of Estonia. Uh, they've had a lot, a long, long history in racing titles. And that's really kind of what we think is important. I think uh, games are hard enough to make on their own. Uh, we want to pick right. specialists, right? So find studios that know how to make these games. And that's how you get the AAA experience out of it. Hey, talk a little bit about the idea of how gamers think about NFTs. Uh, I think I was surprised at how negative the reaction was uh, initially. It's just a general proposition throughout the space, and maybe I shouldn't have been surprised. Maybe it was just that it was viewed as a kind of extractive technology rather than as a technology that could liberate the players. Uh, talk a little bit about how that exists in terms of the current state of play in the space more generally. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think gamers are very, um, you know, they're a very uh, um, suspicious bunch, let's say, um, you know, they, they're, they're very can be, you know, if, if anything doesn't seem seem right to them, that they have a tendency to kind of reject that concept. And frankly, I hate to say it, but some of the early Web3 experiments out there weren't really games, they were really kind of gamified economies, and that doesn't necessarily appeal to a true gamer. So I think for right. us, we're right. trying to bring out how do these new concepts really affect the gameplay? You have to have creative gameplay that comes. You have to have something new that comes out of it rather than just being able to buy and sell, right? That's not super exciting. But, you know, there's been trading economies, you know, with Steam and, 
and CSGO and things like that for decades now, the, the gamers are very supportive of. So it's really up to us as an industry to deliver value to those gamers and do it directly, authentically in the game itself. All right, we've talked a lot about the gaming space here, but I want to shift gears to a true Web3 conversation. Talk about this decision that you guys made uh, to switch from Ethereum over to Polkadot and why. Yeah, I think that's that, that's uh, we've got a lot of feedback this week on that. You know, honestly, we've been looking at what what it takes to to keep growing this business. As I mentioned, we're 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 actually processing probably I think we're processing more gaming transactions than all of Ethereum at this point, which is really really exciting. So games are say, huge. Say that know, statistic again. We're we're tra we're doing more digital sales transactions right now um, than Ethereum is doing on 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 NFT sales right now. So so we're doing more digital assets than, than they are. That's extraordinary. So, uh, yeah, so it's it's great, and we're we're just kind of getting started, you know. I mean, to put it in perspective, when I ran Call of Duty, I think we did 1.4 million matches a minute, right? And so, so when we were one of the studios behind that title, you know, think about that. If you're trying to record just the existence of a of a match on chain, that's a lot of volume, right? So, gaming is huge. Um, we have to do it, you know, appropriately. But what we're also looking at is we're looking at the future. And I think what we saw found is we started a foundation or helped found this foundation called Mythos Foundation with the Mythos token. It's kind of an industry industry doubt, right? We have a lot of Web2 companies joining. We really see the opportunity of where games can start being inter, uh, interoperable over time. We think that there's a, a new governance models that need to come out. But most importantly, we need very strong security models and great performance. And frankly, we've been searching. We've talked to a lot of great companies out there. There's a lot of great companies out there. But we really found that the Polkadot team, the Polkadot ecosystem was pretty fascinating. That team has been very heads down, focused on governance, focused on security, focused on scale and interoperability. And we love that. You know, we don't need a lot of marketing flash from our blockchain partners. We need we need true, amazing tech. And I think Polkadot's the right right choice for gaming, to be super honest. So we're, we're definitely going deep with them. Um, you know, we're going to be launching what we're calling the Mythos Super Chain, which initially is the mythical chain. But there's other groups. If you look at the Mythos Foundation, there's 25 other companies that have already joined. And I think you'll see some of them also have their own chain tech that has their own governance models and their own security models. But we all roll up into that shared security model. We roll up into an interoperable uh, economy over time. And we think that's a super powerful uh, place of where we want to build next. And that's sort of the sort of underlying architecture of Polkadot by design to have those multi-chain uh, with this roll-up functionality. Uh, talk a little bit about the transaction speed throughput, some of those other parameters that you must have been thinking about before making this switch. Yeah, um, we're obviously always looking at that. You know, we we uh, we went our first chain. This is actually will be our third kind of iteration of chains over five years. And, and we've tried to stay very nimble. You know, one thing we do believe in very much is that EVM address space. So we are maintaining the EVM address space on top of the Polkadot substrate ecosystem. So there's been other groups that have done that in the past. We're not the first to do that with the, with the, the Polkadot community, but we do think that that's really important. I think that to me is the is kind of the, the glue that binds this industry right now is that EVM, EVM address space. So we are keeping that layer, but we do love the substrate system behind the scenes. I think it's, it's honestly, it's a lot of opportunities. We can upgrade independently. We get the shared security model from, from the Polkadot relay chain. So we are truly decentralized. But you know, we we do look at performance. We've had good experience so far on the Polkadot the Polkadot uh, um, uh, chain. Yeah, it's really fascinating. You know, I'm not a gamer myself. I was uh, many years ago, and so I still uh, you know maintain a hand. And I go I go to YouTube and I watch the games. Right, that's how I stay from uh, becoming totally a dinosaur. But the question that I have for you is this: one of the interesting things to me about the gaming space, one of the things that people in the gaming space do so incredibly well, uh, is user interface, user experience. It's something that's always been light years ahead of everything else. The ability to simplify, the ability to get directly to the functionality that users care about, that gamers care about. And uh, I'm curious, and I've long thought that this is going to be one of the potential potential 
ways that we're going to get more mainstream applications from Web3 technology, people who understand how to do user experience and how to do right. user interface. Talk a little bit about that because the challenges are really considerable right now in the traditional Web3 world. How are you handling some of that? You've abstracted some of it away. Go ahead, please. Yeah, we've, re we've really tried to abstract as much of it away as we can, right? And, and until people are ready. And I think that's a key. And, and you're right, we've gotten a little, we've gotten a little flack from, uh, from uh, people saying, oh, well, this is not true Web3 yet, um, you know, not, you know, not my keys, not, you know, that type of thing. And, right. and I agree with that. You know, like I said, we definitely believe in those concepts, but we do want to make sure, you know, when, when you know, uh, an average consumer comes into the game and someone that's not a crypto native, they can figure it out and they're protected, right? So we've definitely taken it very easy. You know, as you come into NFL Rivals, you are not going to see a single wallet uh, pop up right away, right? But there is a wallet behind the scenes. Everybody gets a wallet immediately and we're writing in through that custodial account assets into that wallet. Now, if you link a wallet or you want to bridge stuff in and out, it'll start syncing that instead. It'll kind of ditch the temporary wallet, move to your more permanent home. And we think that's really important, right? And we do think that gamers will become big in the economies. Um, we think that, you know, you know, we think that more and more uh, transaction volume will end up coming from the gaming space. I think what you also see, it's going to be less volatile, right? One thing that's really interesting is, you know, the average Ethereum transaction right now for a digital asset is still sitting over $500 and on uh, $500 US per item. That's <laughs> pretty much still out of most consumers reach, right? And ours right now, we're averaging, we're doing about two and a half times the volume of NFT transactions in Ethereum. But, um, we're sitting at like $17, $18. Now that's up from 12 or 13 from six months ago. So it's definitely growing in value. But um, but our focus is not on a speculative nature, right? Our focus is on true utility, true user, user interface um, behind these items. And, and to do that, yeah, you definitely have to onboard. You have to think through user, user um, yeah, UI and UX at, at, at from the day one of a project. Hey, everyone, we're going to take another quick break and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back to the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Yeah, I'm looking right now at the comments on this live scrolling by. Uh, I see NFT Ryan is saying he's downloading the game now to see it. Excited to see it. Here's a question that comes to us from Basho, one of our YouTube users. Uh, how do you see AI being implemented into gaming and what role do you see it playing in the future of gaming? Great question, Basho. That's an amazing question. You know, I, I, if I can get a quick, quick two parts on that. One, AI has actually been in gaming for a long time, not quite to the, you know, the, the, the large language models or, or what we're seeing now with some of the neural net right. stuff. But, but we've not been, we've never been as scared of AI, right? Uh, games have been running on AI and prediction and things like that for a long time. So for us, there's amazing new things happening. I think what's happening in generative art, what's happening in ChatGTP is going to very much affect the gaming industry. But what I start getting really excited about is we're starting to see new models and we have some new tech we'll be sharing fairly soon where you can actually move now from one game seamlessly into another game, regardless of game engines. That starts getting really exciting, right? So you start thinking about these new things. People talk about metaverse. It's probably my least favorite word just because there's not a great definition. But for me, we're going to start seeing a whole shift in games, how games are distributed, how games are played. And, and, and as those, those new models come out, how live streaming, what is an audience participation member, AI is going to be driving a lot of that. In particular, people talk about interoperability between games. Uh, I love the concept, you know, at Call of Duty, we had three different Call of Duty engines and we had a hard time moving a soldier from one Call of Duty engine to another and we owned them both or owned all three. But that's where AI is going to step in big time. Generative, right now we're doing really well with generative 2, 2D, um, you know, generative art. 
generative AI for 2D. We're not quite there yet for generative 3D. Once we get there and once the models can support generative 3D art, we're going to see a massive, a massive revolution in gaming. So we're definitely watching it. I think it's going to affect everything from quests to storylines to all that type of stuff. But at the end of the day, games are still art, right? There is a vision. There is a creative power behind games. So I don't think we're going to replace all of it. Um, but I think we'll definitely augment a big portion of production um, and, and live services with AI. Okay, here's a question that comes to us from Ralph on the Real Vision website, a question I'm not surprised to see. Does John have any thoughts on the Microsoft acquisition of Activision? <laughs> I guess we should call it attempted uh, attempted acquisition, that whole saga. John, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, i got to be a little careful on this one, but yeah, I said I'm a former studio head at Activision, so I, I know the company inside now. You know, I think it's right for the industry, personally. I think it's a great deal. I, I'm, I think some of the, the legal that's getting thrown against them is a little weak. Um, the idea that, you know, they're getting blocked over cloud gaming. To me, it's cloud gaming is not even a full industry yet, right? So I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves on some of this. I think Microsoft's done a your brilliant job, as has Activision, to make sure it is fair, right? I, I, you can go either camp. I'm in the camp of, hey, let's keep innovation going. Um, I think there's a lot of benefits to the industry. I hope that, that it can be done, and I hope it can get resolved. But it's, they definitely have some major roadblocks thrown up to them yesterday. Yeah, John, this has been an incredible conversation. Frankly, I learned a ton. Uh, really great to have you here. Final thoughts, key takeaways that you'd like to leave our audience with. Yeah, you know, I think I think for us, what we're excited about right now, as I mentioned, there's three games last year that hit a million players, um, which was a great step for Web3 getting into more mainstream. Still not massive on the gaming side. I think this year we're going to see two to four games that start getting that 10 to 25 million players this year. The industry is going to really start paying attention to that. I think we have two of those four, hopefully. Um, and I think next year or the year after that, we'll start seeing economies that have 50 to 100 million gamers with Web3 economies. So we are definitely getting into mass adoption very, very quickly. It takes time. It takes great work and it creates great insights. But I'm so excited on where this is going. I do think this is going to be dominant. I think what we're going to see from the gaming side, I think we can see even honestly a trillion dollar secondary economy that's going to come out of the gaming industry that's already sitting on top of a nearly a $300 billion primary economy. So we're excited on where the future holds. I think we're going to see tremendous innovation in gaming over the next five to 10 years. Um, and it's happening now. So, John, I got to ask you this trillion dollars. It's a lot of money. How do we get there? Um, you know, I mean, it's really it's really fascinating. I mean, what we've seen already, we've already seen in games. So we're seeing, you know, four dollars in secondary for every dollar in primary. Right. Well, we're already wow. doing two hundred billion dollars a year, two hundred fifty billion and growing to three hundred billion in the gaming industry. That number alone. Right. What we've already seen in games like Blanco's Block Party, and we're starting to see in NFL Rivals, the data is there to already support a trillion dollars of trade. So, um, you know, as it picks up. So I, I think we're heading there remarkably fast. I think some of the gaming industry right now doesn't fully see the potential of what's happening. I think they're all watching. And I think as soon as we hit those games and start hitting 10 to 15, 20 million players, you're gonna see the entire gaming industry getting in the space. John Linden from Mythical Games, great conversation. Come back and give us an update. Tell us how you're doing. Love Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the time. Thanks a lot, John, and thank you for watching, everyone. I really enjoyed this conversation. More innovative conversations right here on Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Have a great afternoon, everybody. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, Head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance.